you have to know your why. You know, uh, everybody has a why. Um, I believe everybody has a why. And what I mean by that is everybody has a why. Why do they want to do what they do? Why do they want to be who they are? The why, what drives them? What, what is that why? Hey, this is Mike Ambassador Bruni, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of No More Reasonable Doubt. It's a show focused on empowering young professionals of color to remove doubt, gain confidence, and have more impact at work. One important piece to making all this happen is getting exposure to different people and career paths. Today, our special guest is Vaughn Williams, who is the Director of Athletics at Kennesaw State University. Welcome, Vaughn. Well, thanks for having me, Michael. Great to be here today. Yeah, man. We are so great, grateful to have you. And, you know, we had to catch you on the quote-unquote off-season. We, we, we had to get you on before. We don't know when people will be listening, but it, it's, it's, uh, it's July now, and come August, we don't know. Right, so. right. You know, Thanks for making the concessions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things that we, um, we want to do on the show is really give people a sense of who you are, places you, you've been, where you come from, uh, because we're hoping that then they have a chance to, to potentially see themselves in, 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 in your path and be able to go, oh, snap, I didn't even know what he's doing is possible for someone like me. Um, so that's the thing. First thing I start with is where are you originally from? Well, I was born in New York, but uh, Queens, New York, but I only spent a year there. But I would call myself uh, a New Jersey native. From a, from New Jersey, have lived, uh, went to Piscataway High School, so Central Jersey around Rutgers University. So I'm a Central Jersey guy. Excellent. Now tell us more about what you do for work. So we have Director of Athletics. We have, it, it's at a college. Well, what does that mean and what's a day-to-day like? <laughs> Well, I, I think that's a that's a big question, but if I could sum up uh, maybe what I do is, uh, you know, I, I'm a director of athletics. Obviously, I report to the president of the university, so I sit on his presidential cabinet. He's got around 11 direct reports, uh, and I would say my job is first an administrator first and an athletic director second, and I say that because, uh, you know, I have to have the responsibility to uh, administer my area but in, within the direction and the understanding and under umbrella of the university. And we have 18 athletic programs at uh, Kennesaw State uh, University. We're Division I. Uh, we compete in the Atlantic Sun Conference, which is a base, more of a base southeast for uh, the North Florida, Jacksonville University, Florida Golf Club, Lipscomb, uh, some of those kind of institutions. And now, uh, New Jersey Institute of Technology will be in our company. And uh, for 17 of our sports, and then for one of our sports, uh, football, that we're about to play for the first time ever at, uh, in school history, 46, 47 days, uh, we play in the Big South, and uh, just for football. So they play, Monmouth is, uh, is an institution that plays in the conference in New Jersey. Liberty, Coastal Carolina, Rental Power, Gardner Webb, uh, Charleston Southern, those type of schools that play uh, in the big South. And I believe a big part of my my job, uh, if I can say it rather bluntly, uh, is to, I'm a potential maker, and, uh, and I serve uh, a population of student athletes, around 400 
serve and serve them like a, a, a ministry, so to speak, uh, preparing leaders for tomorrow, helping these people uh, reach their potential in all facets of their academic, vocational life, uh, from their leadership life, uh, character life, uh, and uh, from their servant life, and then also from an athletic standpoint. Uh, so that's a big part of my job. And I think at the same point in time, uh, you know, I think what makes this job very exciting uh, is like being a CEO of your own little company, so to speak. I have uh, the fastest of marketing underneath me, fundraising underneath me, media relations, social media space, uh, sports medicine, uh, training, equipment. Uh, obviously, coaches, student athletes. We have sports psychology. We have character development. Uh, all these different components, student athlete welfare. Uh, it's like having a company underneath the umbrella. And if I was a CEO in a normal company out in the, the real world, so to speak, it would be a board of directors uh, that you would have to, or your board of, uh, you know, your board that wants to know what the bottom line is and how you're running the company uh, and I have a board of directors but my, my, I have board directors and more so I think we've got a lot more stakeholders when we talk about college athletics and being director of athletics my stakeholders obviously are student athletes uh, obviously their parents are stakeholders uh, obviously uh, on the outside alumni uh, that have come, gone to the school donors uh, corporate sponsors uh, the media, uh, faculty on campus, staff on campus, uh, your community that you're roving into. So there are a lot more stakeholders uh, that I have to, uh, how would you say, uh, interact with, uh, manage uh, expectations, and somewhat report to uh, when doing my job. Obviously, my job is a public job, so everything that I do is uh, no, no papers, uh, any mistake that happens, it can be usually written in the papers. That's why we have sports sections, and that's why ESPN is so big, and the other sports entities that we know in our culture, sports uh, in a community uh, has, uh, you know, is newsworthy. Uh, and so uh, I have to deal with those type of entities, and it's a public type of position. So my days can range from 6 in the morning Today, if I took today, I was at a breakfast meeting at 7 a.m. I left my house around 6:15. Uh, I've had a course of different meetings uh, throughout my morning. I have a course of set meetings after this, uh, planning, strategizing, tactical, building relationships, visiting donors, going out with a corporate sponsor tonight to make sure that they're okay. Uh, a lot of my day is about serving others and preparing and. Uh, speaking to my team and, and building culture and building confidence and, uh, and really making sure that an organization uh, is working together for a common goal, a common cause, uh, to prepare our student-athletes for their future and also make sure that we are abiding by rules and regulations and so on and so forth uh, by our governing body, NCAA, but also to make sure we're you know, relevant in our community. And at the end of the day, everybody wants to be a winner. So uh, hopefully, hopefully after graduating and doing all the things that we do, we can win championships and do all those things as well. Awesome. I love the way you order, you order things. 
you know, where uh, it kind of gives perspective where where uh, where winning comes into it, uh, where to the outside eye, the first thing would come up is winning. Are you winning? Yes. You know, yes. so yes. Thank, thank you for that for that perspective. Uh, t- taking a step back, where did you go to school and uh, and what did you study? Well, I went to University of Massachusetts. I went to UMass Amherst and uh, went to undergrad there. And I did play uh, sport. I was a student athlete. Uh, played football there. And, uh, you know, my first thing that I wanted to major in was I wanted to be an engineer. That can, can go figure that. I wanted to be an engineer, but I ended up graduating, graduating with a degree, undergraduate degree in sport management uh, in the spring of 1992, uh, which was a, a great school. Obviously, UMass has a great sport management program. I know you know about that program. And, uh, and I did it as an undergraduate. Back in 1992, that wasn't as relevant as it is now to have sport management programs across the country at different institutions. So it was a, kind of a new concept to a certain degree. Um, and uh, and that prepared me to hopefully find a life in sport and uh, use my vocation and my talents to serve uh, in the sporting industry. Why did you choose sport? You know, it's uh, it's an interesting. That's an interesting question. I think uh, I always tell our student athletes. Uh, you know, you go to college, and I think you have some. Uh, understanding maybe uh, or what you think you want to be from maybe your environment or what you see. My, my mom never went to college. She was a physical therapist for the Veterans Administration Hospital in Lyons, New Jersey for a long time. Never went to college. My dad uh, is from the Virgin Islands and he ended up, he went to college. Uh, and uh, he got his master's. You know, he's a businessman. You know, did those type of things. You know, I was strong in math and science, and I just felt uh, that I always liked to build things, and I thought I wanted to be an engineer. And uh, I think other people thought I would want to be an engineer. My uncle uh, was an engineer. My dad uh, had, you know, dibbled and dabbled in building and construction and all that kind of stuff. And it seemed like the appropriate thing, uh, go to get a scholarship. Uh, if you can be an engineer, it seemed like it would set me up for life. Through the program, that I was uh, not happy. Uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't committed to really what it was, and I think it was based on uh, finding a passion that I had. And I always had a passion about sports, and uh, I always talked about being behind the scenes. It would be neat to do this, or neat to be a general manager, or neat to do this. And, and really, some of my colleagues uh, saw that in me. They, they kind of, not my academic advisor, but my colleague, really, uh, my player, my friends, former. About going in a sport management program, talk about being in sports. I was like, I didn't know it really existed. Uh, I didn't know they had a program. I didn't understand what that meant mm-hmm. at the time. I did a little research and then, then I ended up getting into the program. And it happened to be in alignment, uh, really, with my talents and my really my driven passion of uh, you know uh, going to school and, and what I wanted. And I think that's the trick we try to bring to the table now as a director of athletics. There's so many people come to school uh, with a preconceived notion about what they want to be, potentially. Uh, as you know, America works more than any country in the world. 
So, you know, it would be good to find something that uh, to make money. That, that's a good thing. But I, I think it's more important that we find something that we're built to do, uh, <coughs> that we're called to do, uh, that we have strengths to, uh, and uh, it's something that we would love to do every day. And, I, and I'm thankful that uh, I have that opportunity. Uh, I don't call what I do going to work. I, I'm at my office or around my so-called vocation seven days a week at times <clears throat> and uh but i i love what i do uh, i tell my kids it's playtime when i go to school when i go to work because i love what i do i get to impact lives uh, adversely impact lives uh, i like being on a college campus and vibrant the life the diversity the culture the things that you can be around and the community the impact that you can make you know, and i want I, I believe that I was called in my strength center and said what I'm doing now. All our students now. In general, students of any company, to run to their passion, to run to their strengths. So obviously I've been running to mine. That's awesome. You know, you mentioned about uh, engineering. And ha having known you, it's like you're an engineer of people. You know, they, 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 <laughs> you, you're building people, man. There's widgets and then there's people. So... We're, th we're, th we're thankful for that, man, that you chose that path. Yeah. We're thankful you chose that path. Next question for you. Um, are you doing what you thought you'd be doing after college? Um, <clears throat> yes and no. Uh, yes and no. You know, I, I, I wasn't really sure what that was going to look like. Um, you know, I, my road isn't, uh, you know, I, I ended up uh, not really taking advantage of my uh, academic program, even not doing any internships when I was in, co in college. I started really too late and uh, never really uh, really took advantage of the relationships that uh, that were right there in front of me until maybe around two months until I was about to graduate. And I was like, whoa, you know, I'm going to graduate here. It's time to get going. And, uh, and I had three interviews uh, for internships after I graduated. Um, and I wasn't sure what it was. I, I thought that I wanted to do maybe marketing or, you know, what you see on TV and the glamour. I didn't know that I wasn't exposed to really anything else except what I saw because I had not gotten any practical experience or even volunteered to shadow somebody or look at what was possibly out there. So um, it's funny. I was telling this story the other day. I, I interviewed Houston Oilers for a public relations job. That's a name from the past and the New Jersey Nets and the community relations and the NBA. And, and uh, you know, I didn't get any of them. And so I ended up uh, moving to Atlanta, really. I moved to Atlanta. Right after I graduated, I told my mom I was never going to stay home and I was going to start my life. So I sent out uh, 350 letters. They were, Atlanta was getting the Olympics, was coming uh, in four years from then. And thought said it might be a good city to try to get started in sports. And uh, ended up selling cars for uh, two months. Got a job, and thank God I had a job, and I learned a lot about myself. And you know, everything, every situation uh, that you're put in uh, is designed, I believe, and happens for a reason. It's all about how you look at it. And I learned how to sell. And uh, I did that before I got a call from the sport management program that said there was an internship at the University of Utah. And uh, obviously, I wanted to accept because I, I was knew that I didn't want to sell cars for the rest of my life, nothing against that, but that this wasn't what I wanted to do, and uh, 
and I interviewed for the job. And, uh, you know, I, I think it was, uh, you know, my family was a little concerned. It was going out to Salt Lake City, not very diverse back in 1992, Salt Lake City. Uh, I think there was probably uh, less than a percent uh, African Americans in the state, um, very low in the in amount of minority uh, representation in the state of Salt Lake City. But, you know, once again, I, I felt like, uh, you know, you can't, you know, to be in the game, you, you've got to uh, get that experience. And so I wasn't there for so much of social life. I was there to start my vocational career. And I felt, uh, you know, now I look back at it, I go, wow. But if it was no Salt Lake City or University of Utah, there would be no Kennesaw State. So hard to say, uh, did I want to be a director of athletics? But I'll tell you, that first eight months uh, after being at University of Utah and really seeing um, being on my own and really seeing the impact one can have uh, with young people and uh, a lot of people of color, uh, you know, a lot of African American, it kind of gravitated to me. I really wanted to know what I do, where I'm from, and that type of thing. I kind of I was still young. I was 23 at the time, serving as kind of like a mentor to some and just a, a positive role model and also being in a place that uh, a lot of people had not talked to African Americans. And, uh, you know, so it was a neat experience to understand not the not that uh, America is a complicated place, because it is, but it's also made of people that just don't see or just not around. And environment plays a big part of what, what people believe about different cultures, whether it's me thinking about the LDS culture, the Mormon culture, them thinking about African-American culture. So it was a time to educate others and a time to grow, but it was also a time to learn. And at eight months in, I really after all the work that we've done, went to our first bowl in 38 years. And, you know, the president of the university put me and my mentor in charge of getting travel done and this. And next thing you know, uh, they were going to hire, they want to hire me as a full-time person at the age of 23 on their senior management team. So, and I knew then that I wanted to be in college athletics for sure, impact. And at that time, I thought, man, it'd be really neat to be a director of athletics of and at that time, being immature, thinking, well, if I'm going to do all this work, I might as well be the head dog. Uh, <laughs> that changed as I went uh, through my journey uh, to get here. But uh, I felt I knew then that uh, college athletics was exactly what I was meant to do. And obviously, I do believe that uh, I was brought there for a reason. And, uh, you know, and I think my faith lets me know that, uh, you know, he put me there for a reason. And, you know, and what I was going to take out of that and take advantage of it. You know, thank God that I was able to take advantage of it. Yes, sir. So we got Utah, we got Kennesaw State. Help us to fill in the gap. G give us some touch points of, of, of that path from, from there to where you are now. Well, after being in Utah for, as uh, an intern, then I went to the assistant director position later, the director of finance, the CFO of uh, the athletic department also handled concessions, in-house concessions, licensing and royalties, um, travel coordinator. Um, I ended up uh, trying to apply for other jobs and I ended up getting a job at the University of Toledo. And uh, so I worked at the University of Toledo as the Associate AD of Business Affairs. So four and a half years at Utah, I went to Toledo, uh, 
Associated Media Business Affairs. Great place to work. Rockets. Um, enjoyed my time there. Obviously, I, I went there to, for another challenge, really see if I could manage and be without my mentor and see what I could do. And I stayed there for uh, probably around 15, 16 months for an opportunity presented itself at Boston College. two jobs were finance and the Boston College job. I was their first full-time assistant AD of event management championships and facilities. So I didn't, I didn't even do that stuff before. And they hired me. So I took another risk. And I learned the craft. I had a great opportunity to be a great leader. A great time at that institution. Growth. Uh, I went to D.C. I got my master's there as well summers to do it and so we grew there and then uh, I got an opportunity another call to be at the University of Connecticut and I went there I spent about six and a half years at BC uh, I left BC in around 19, uh, 2004 I left BC so 97 to 2004 and then I went to Connecticut uh, as associate AD or challenges, the new strategic planning. They were starting Division One football for the first time, but really to help help them on their way in that aspect. Also be over a major project, the biggest project they, they had done in 20 years to build a $48 million practice football facility. Uh, was a project that I would be involved with, $48 million. That was uh, something I have never done before, but I got myself involved I stayed there for six years, uh, and then that which leads me to being hired here, my first director of athletics job uh, in 2011. I've been here going on my fifth year here at Kansas State. Wow, time flies. Mm -hmm. Time does fly. When you're having fun, that is. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a couple of follow-up questions that came up. One. Mm -hmm. You asked. You, you mentioned your mentor when you were at uh, in in uh, Utah, mm -hmm. and I'm curious about your mentor. Did your mentor look like you? My mentor did not look like me. And, okay. Uh, and he was the first one that I had. I had two at the time. I had the director of athletics and my direct report uh, that we still stay. I still talk to these individuals all the time. Right now, they did not. Uh, looked like me. Um, they invested in me, though. Uh, they invested in me, and they were they were very. Uh, Dr. Chris Hill, who's the athletic director, still the athletic director there, the longest tenured athletic director in Division One at one institution. He's from New Jersey, so uh, I think he had an understanding about how important diversity was. Uh, and uh, you know, and then uh, the other uh, person, uh, Peter Hart who hired me there as well, has always served at a great, taught me everything I know about financial, uh, taught me really about working hard, and really taught me about, you know, it's going to be different. Uh, he was one of the first people that was really honest with me and said, well, you know, you're an African-American male. You're going to be dealing with different things. 
you got to have different challenges. Uh, you know, you got to make sure you do your work and some. I mean, he was really blunt about uh, a lot of those things. And uh, I told him that I wanted to be, uh, I'm going to be a director of athletics. And he was like, at the time, there were only three uh, African-American athletic directors in Division I, uh, excluding uh, HBCU institutions. Mm -hmm. Three out of around 330 schools. So, uh, you know, I, I would, I, that's something that you look at and go, can you do it? And, uh, but, you know, once again, uh, you know, that, that's the challenge. That's the journey. Uh, we got to continue to be pioneers, and I've always felt that that was a, that was a driving factor, uh, I think, in my success has been because I knew that there weren't, it's a, it's a privileged position to have, and that especially if you're a person of color or a female minority, that it's, it's, a, hard, it's a hard role to attain uh, in America. And uh, a lot of progress has been made, obviously, over the years since 1993, but uh, a lot of still work has to be done. But you have to be in the game to change the game. And, uh, and I just thought that, hey, I'm going to do everything I can uh, to make sure that I can do things right, uh, educate people, do my job and some, and uh, prove that we're, we're just as worthy of doing things. Thanks for that, Vaughn. You mentioned that you took a chance with BC um, when it came to the event management. Why do you think they took a chance on you? Well, I think the reality of the situation is uh, I think I interviewed well. I think diversity was high on their priority list. Um, as well as it is on the priorities, I think, in Utah, if possible. Um, and I, I think they thought I would be a great fit. But I think I had uh, what they were looking for. I think they knew they were going to get somebody that, was, that had a good brand. Uh, it, didn't help, it didn't hurt that uh, both the athletic director at Boston College had, had known the athletic director at Utah and was able to speak to him about, you know, my worth ethic about who I was when I was at Utah, even though I stopped at Toledo, and uh, I think it felt it was a perfect fit. Somebody I would, you know, get after it. Somebody I would be able to be at that level and in that institution that could carry herself and represent in a way that would, uh, you know, help them fulfill their mission uh, as well. Great. The other thing that you mentioned is around, uh, which seems to be a thread, is, it's not the exact words, but there's, there's something around never did that before. Never did that before. You know, that came up. Never did that before. Each situation there was a never did that before, where it's you never did it. Not saying that it hasn't been done, but, hey, I never did that before. I never did that before. Uh, what I want to talk about is confidence. Where does that come from for you, or came from? Because it may have been a progression. Mm -hmm. <sighs> well, I think that's a that's a. I don't know if that's a complicated. I, I think some has to do with bloodline to a certain degree, and I think some has to do with environment. My, you know, my parents uh, divorced when I was six. Uh, my mom's been remarried three times. My dad's been, been well on his third, you know, been married. 
my dad's from the Virgin Islands. Uh, my mom is from New York City. Uh, I do believe some of it is my bloodline. My dad was, uh, you know, he was, you know, he got his undergrad. You know, he went and had his MBA. He was working on his law degree. Uh, he almost finished law school. He did that when he was an adult. Um, being around him when I was young, my parents divorced and going back to the Virgin Islands and seeing him work uh, and how he worked, he would bring me to meetings and seeing how he did things. And, and I was very young, you know, nine, ten years of old. Uh, you know, in my bloodline, my great-grandfather, uh, Rockchild Francis, was a civil rights activist uh, and businessman in the Virgin Islands, and my grandfather was a businessman. My grandfather opened the first gas station in St. Thomas, Virgin Islands. My great-grandfather was, uh, you know, big, and he spoke at the White House in 1945. And, uh, and my dad always talked about uh, the history of uh, what, what, these, what that, the lineage of was, so he always stressed that, even though we grew up in a you know, a divorce household to a certain degree. So I think some of it comes from that. I think he tried to instill, and that's why he did instill that. You know, you know, you're, you're, you're you know, you're, you can do things. You're a Williams. You can do things. And uh, I think that's a lot of it. And I think he instilled that. And I, I don't know if it really resonated until I start to play sports. And I think sports had a a big part in my growth and my confidence level. Uh, you know, I, I was able to have some success on the sports and you know and I, and I think uh, you know, I always felt that support I had good friends that were around I necessarily my mom was working all the time so I grew up with a lot of I grew up in a lot of different households so to speak <laughs> and I had a good brother and sister obviously but everybody was up to different things and I, and I just have found that I've been around great uh, I've been around fortunate to be around some good people um uh, whether it be a Pop Warner coach, whether it be my high school football coach, um, you know, I, I was able to pay attention to some of the things that they saw. And uh, then went to college and, uh, you know, was able to continue to, you know, thrive in some ways. And I think a little insecure at times, but I, I think I always had the attitude that I could do something. You know, I, when I set my mind to it, I said I was going to get a scholarship. I, was, I got a scholarship to school. I, I was always focused in that manner, uh, sometimes too focused on the wrong things, but focused when it came to those things that I liked, which were football, sports, uh, you know, academics from a, a certain standpoint in high school. So I, I think that comes from that, and I think it, it's all about the village approach, you know, and I think it's all about knowing who you are and self-accusation and, and believing. And, uh, I've always been a believer um, in myself, and I think it's a responsibility uh, to all, and, uh, especially, you know, African Americans, to be responsible. As you think about the history, I've always been into history about you know things that were given up uh, for us to do to succeed, to do the things that we do. Um, so I've never I always knew that you know you always got to pay it back, and sometimes the way of paying it back is to be the example, uh, is to try not to be somebody else but to be the best who you can be and try to reach your potential. So I think there's a combination of things that I think have given me maybe that confidence to do things. And I failed a lot. I have failed in certain things, and uh, you know, and I think that's a part of life. Uh, but I, I would say that uh, uh, I'm, a, I'm a risk taker by nature. 
Um, you know, we all believe we can't be defeated, so to speak. But I do believe that I was uh, I was a risk taker. Um, and from my family perspective, I think they would look at me and go, yes, yeah, he's the person that would, if there was something new, he would run into it. If it was, let's do this, haven't been there before, let's try it. If it's new food, let's let's get this done. And I, and I think it comes from a lot of things. But I do think a lot of it is from what our dad instilled in us. And I think being the third child, I think I really really took that in. I had an opportunity to take that in a little bit more maybe than my brother and sister. And my approach was a little bit more direct. Um, but I think uh, that's what it is. So uh, education is important. Um, being the best person you can be is very important. And there's different ways to have education. And there's different ways to be a citizen. But we have responsibility. And my, my dad would always talk about that. My mom would talk about it. We all have a responsibility. And we've got to fulfill that responsibility. And that's not for somebody else uh, to fulfill your responsibility mm-hmm. as, a, you know, as, a, as a man, as a, a woman. Uh, and you got to do the best you can with it. So I'm going to combine my next question, two questions. So we'll have two questions left here. I usually ask what advice you would give someone who aspires to do what you do. And I want to try and combine that with, what advice would you give someone who wants to do what you, you do? And tie that in with what unspoken wisdom you've discovered in your career. The kind of thing that maybe you've only, you've only known because, because you reflected on it. It's not something that someone told you or c- could have told you, but it's like, you know what? This is, what, this is what's real. What would you tell someone? Well, I think... The most important thing, and maybe one of the most important things, you have to know your why. You know, uh, everybody has a why. Uh, I believe everybody has a why. And uh, what I mean by that is everybody has a why. do they want to do what they do? Why do they want to be who they are? The why, what drives them? What, what is that why? Um, and for me, I found that why uh, through my journey. I realized that I didn't need to be a director of athletics to be, to be successful or to be impacting lives like I am, hopefully, in college athletics. And when that happened, I tell you, the world opened up it was much easier. There wasn't mention about what failure or what people perceive to look like. You know, once again, to know the why, the only person that knows the why is you, the person you look in the mirror. And I think sometimes we, uh, we listen to the noise instead of, uh, and I think we're all, and I believe this, uh, I believe we're all called to excellence. We're all creatures of the God. That's what I believe. Uh, we're all called to excellence. But really boils down to the why. And the why is between you and yourself and the man upstairs. That's not the why friend, the why business associate, the why of the person down the street, the why of the public opinion. Um, and I think we all have a why. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I wanted to serve. And I think that's, that's my why. But that's why I'm at Kennesaw State and that's 
why I love what I do. That's why uh, if I wasn't at Kennesaw State, I'd probably be just as happy uh, because I, I, know, I know who I am. I know what the why is. I think that it starts there. And you determine your success. Not everybody's meant to go to college. And that's okay. Some people are great with their hands. Gotta find the why. What is that talent? What are, what are you called to do? What are you I think the advice that I would give to anybody that wants to be in the profession, maybe start of college athletics, if it is director of athletics, it's really getting involved. And I think uh, there's a misnomer. I think what's great about college athletics is that there's so many different ways to get in. There's not that one formula. If I'm a doctor, I have to do these things. I'll be the doctor. Well, college athletics, uh, well, everybody can have a, you know, you can be in the real world, so to speak, and doing different disciplines and be in it. You can be an accountant, you can be a lawyer work in college athletics, be a business person, be in sales and work for college athletics. But I but I think it is is really about um, you know getting in and but the beauty is that you can design your path if you're committed. And you gotta, you know, it's committed. That's why knowing your why is gonna be very important. It's not a profession at times, even though the media might portray it, that makes great money. Yeah, I, I make good money. I can live. Um, there's so much more than the dollar that you get in a lot of professions. And that's what I say. College athletics, when I watch those young people go across that state, when I watch uh, even that trouble you, that trouble you for that, that student that struggled to get in here, to get into college. Now they're flourishing. They have the degree and they're going to have a job in the grad school because of our environment. Because that's what they wanted. That's that's what this thing is all about. Though it's not about the money. But I I challenge people like in anything. You've got to you're always getting ready. And Will Smith would say this thing that I always tell my people, you know, if you stay ready you don't have to get ready. And the truth is, that's right. It's about you staying ready. No, no, not everybody Everybody thinks somebody else dictates their success, and that happens, or dictates their future. Well, I'm a big believer in control what you can control. It creates opportunities and options for yourself. You know, once again, a lot of my friends would have never went to Utah. But they told me, a lot of my friends of color, I go out there, hey, no, there no people out there. Well, you know, sometimes you gotta, you wanna get to the big table? You gotta eat the you gotta eat the small table, kids table first. And without those opportunities, I mean, we can't we can't downplay that. We we have to go where people are not regularly will go. Those are where their jobs are. So um, there's a responsibility to it, and uh, we can't all be in Metro Atlanta, or Boston, New York, Detroit, Chicago, LA. So I encourage people control what they can control. Expand their horizon on their self. I always tell people, you can go to your own university. And people go, what does that mean? I said, I've been going to Williams University for a long time. I got, I'm working on my PhD. And that's about self-improvement. Growing myself and reading. Trying to spend time with people that 
can help me grow. Help me under, have a better understanding. You know, expand my knowledge, expand my realm of what's going on. Because you can't do this thing alone. <laughs> and you need people. But it's really up to you. Not up to them. It's up to you. And so control what you can control. So there are a lot of ways that you can do that in any profession, let alone. But don't let a, anything hinder you. And I have a lot let, you know, not many African-American people of color in the college athletic profession hinder me. I mean, what, if, what if they were back in the civil rights? If they were worried about those, we wouldn't be where we are. That's a really good point. You can't worry about those things. There was an unselfishness about chasing what you need to chase finding out how you're going to get there and get there. Now you bring someone along and educate people about what it is because you're trying to expand. Expand what people think of minority. What people think about. Once again, you don't want to be known as the I don't want to be known as the African American director of athletics only. I want to be known as the director of athletics. But I have a strong presence of being an athletic. I understand the responsibility and I am an African American bring more to the table there's more that I see that I can see relate to my job is ten times harder than others but uh, if I don't do it then who else so we're always looking for somebody else to do the job that's not what it is the rights movement is about not somebody else doing the job it's about everybody doing the job and so I still think those things must exist today but I tell people challenge them grow yourself the only person that can pigeonhole you is yourself starts there. starts there. I don't believe it. Only you can do that to yourself. So I've never believed that you do that. People told me, business it is, you're not going to You'll never get to there. You'll never get there. I've had people tell me that. Not people that really knew who I was or what my calling was to be. Obviously not people who helped me. And we're here. So that can happen for anybody. <laughs> so, you know, I encourage people to go to their own universe and take the challenge and stay committed to the challenge. Uh, it's not for everybody, but it should be, especially if you're a person of color. A person of color, you're a minority. It should be. You should accept the challenge. You want to get into the arena, well, you got to be in the arena. Check your pieces, do a chess game. Be diligent with that. Be intentional. Uh, don't stop dreaming. And believe that you can do it. And prepare. Always be ready. If you had to recommend one book to the people, what would it be? Because we got a young professional, so frame it a little bit. Young professional, they're at the beginning of, 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 uh, of their career, maybe uh, three years in. What would you recommend for that person? Well, I'm a big believer in servant leadership, right? Mm-hmm. So I would recommend James Hunter, the servant. And while I would, why I would recommend that book, because I believe that talks about a lot of things that we talked about. It talks about the why. It talks about team. It talks about servant. Talks about selfishness. The easy read, a great fable. But uh, 
I read it every year. Uh, but it talks about, you know, introperspective about how you approach, um, you know, getting to where you want to be, getting to the success. And I believe the only way to do that is to serve, serve others, to grow others, uh, to grow yourself. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, you, you, you will be successful and uh, you will uh, be uh, very productive and you will be someone that uh, somebody wants on their team. Uh, the people hire people. People hire people. It's, uh, it's a great book. And it's one that you recommended <laughs> to me a couple years back. <laughs> and it, it, it really did change the way that I managed uh, my people when I was uh, working at Intel. And the biggest, I don't know, the word that actually comes out from that book for me was love. Yes. Is understanding the word love and unconditional love. I don't have to like you, <laughs> but I can still do everything in my power to help you be successful. And that was one of the biggest uh, takeaways and, and mind shifts. So thank you several years later, five plus years later. Thank you. Vaughn, I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to share your wisdom. Um, I told you earlier, you're one of those people who I have a lot of respect for, who, who I love your demeanor, your posture. And I'm, I'm very honored that we're able to have you here uh, for our guests to, to experience you, our, our listeners. Well, thank you, Michael. And uh, once again, always been proud of you, doing great things. You're making an impact. And uh, thanks so much for just uh, letting me be on today. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you, dear listener, for being with us. Did you find today's message valuable? Love the show? Subscribe and get podcast episodes, updates, and articles sent directly to your inbox. Everything we create, everything we share is designed to empower young professionals of color just like you to have more impact at work. Get that raise. Get that promotion. Our goal is to take you from invisible to invincible. I'm your host, Mike Ambassador Bruni, and the beat you're about to hear is by Papa Doc. Peace. Today's show was sponsored by Meet. Edgar, quick question for you. If you post a tweet about something you think is important and no one sees it, did it have an impact? You're spending time writing, uploading, and scheduling updates, and they usually don't even get seen by most of your followers. Meet Edgar is the only scheduler that directly addresses that and stops your updates from going to waste by automatically saving and sharing them again and again over time. Because you're spending way less time on busy work, you can dedicate more of your time to creating dope content and actually interacting with your followers. They call it social media for a reason. Visit meetedgar.com to learn more and start your free 14-day trial today.